Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. The biggest challenge entrepreneurs and business owners face is knowing what their biggest challenge is. There's this rush to all the apparent issues, all the fires that we need to put out, but we're not looking at the impactful opportunity, the thing that we need to do. Welcome to Epic Business Growth for CPAs. My name is Geraldine Carter, founder of She Thinks Big Coaching. This is the place to be if you're a CPA who wants to grow your accounting practice. Weekly episodes are full of strategies and action steps that create a clear path for growth without working harder. Time to get inspired and grow your business. Hi, listeners. I hope that you are just as big a fan as I am on author and entrepreneur Mike Michalowicz. Being a certified pumpkin plan strategist is incredibly useful to my clients. So when he offered the opportunity to become a certified fix this next advisor, I jumped at the chance. I wanted to have him on the show today to talk about his new book, Fix This Next, so that you could find it useful to know what to fix next in your business. Mike Michalowicz is the author of Profit First, Clockwork, Surge, The Pumpkin Plan, and his newest release, Fix This Next. By his 35th birthday, Mike had founded and sold two companies, one to private equity and another to a Fortune 500. Today, he is running his third multi-million dollar venture, Profit First Professionals. Mike is a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and the former business makeover specialist on MSNBC. Over the years, Mike has traveled the globe speaking with thousands of entrepreneurs and is here today to share the best of what he has learned. Mike Michalowicz, welcome to the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. Geraldine Carter, thank you for having me. I appreciate this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. And before we dive in, I want to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests. What was the very first thing that you did for money as a young person? Yeah, a little embarrassing, but factual is... uh, when I first got into drinking beer and stuff, I was probably 13. Uh, and I started to sell alcohol to my friends like th- who are 13, 14. I was a freshman in high school and I had a source, which was my sister, uh, and some other people. And I was buying bulk booze to sell to friends. But the funny thing is my uh, illegal business was discovered by my father accidentally. I was hiding beer and stuff in the rafters of our basement. And one day the sheetrock collapsed and <laughs> I walked in the house and it smelled like a brewery. I'm like, what's going on? My dad's like, I found all this beer. And I'm like, oh, I thought he was going to ring me. And he goes, I think when the builders built this house, they must have put their beer up there and they forgot it. I'm like, oh. So I don't know if he was a save my tail, which I think he was, or if uh, 
if he was um, serious, but he poured out every unbroken beer. He was just pouring out in the sink in front of me. It was so painful to see my inventory being. <laughs> yes, totally. Sunk costs are down the drain. Oh, yeah. I made money. Excellent. I love it. And uh, parlayed well into growing multiple multi-million dollar businesses. Yeah, and legal legal businesses as opposed, <laughs> legal to, businesses. Uh, as opposed to these ignorant. I actually didn't even really, really appreciate it was illegal. I thought, you know, it's just business. But yeah, it, 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 I guess it, it was kind of the first entrepreneurial uh, experience. But I never desired to be an entrepreneur. And that was never my dream. It, it happened by happenstance. And um, I'm so grateful today because I love entrepreneurship. So that's a perfect segue into your path of becoming an entrepreneur and then moving beyond that to help entrepreneurs at scale. So let's get right into Fix This Next, your new book. What was the seed of inspiration for this book, this title? So Geraldine, I was, I was reaching out to readers. So what's, what's great now that I'm a little more established as an author, I have a, a, a significant reader base I can reach out to and ask questions. And I sent out a question about five years ago. It takes me about five years to write a book. And I simply said, well, what's your biggest challenge now? And what became very apparent very quickly is no one had an effing clue. Like <laughs> there was always things coming back. Someone answered the same question, what's your biggest challenge? Multiple times the same day with different answers. And it's like, hmm. So what my conclusion was, and still is, is that the biggest challenge entrepreneurs and business owners face is knowing what their biggest challenge is. There's this rush to all the apparent issues, all the fires that we need to put out, but we're not looking at the impactful uh, opportunity, the thing that we need to do. And as a result, many businesses hit a ceiling or they spin their wheels or the entrepreneur thinks the only way to elevate their business is to hustle and grind more, which is not. It's not. It's all about identifying what we need to work on and then fixing it. It's about doing the right thing at the right time, not the right thing at the wrong time or the wrong thing. It's we got to identify the one thing, nail that, and then move on to the next new one thing, nail that and continue. And it's almost like having the right diagnostic tool because we, as entrepreneurs, business owners, they know they've got 50 things that they want to work on, but there's no sort of universal diagnostic tool to figure out which of these is the priority. I talk about the story of Amanda Eller in Fix This Next. This is a woman who lives in Hawaii and uh, she's a resident of the state of Hawaii. She went out for a hike, which she regularly does. She's walking halfway through a hike. She decides to meditate and uh, off the path, she comes out of her meditation and starts walking on a path, but not the path, quickly notices she's in the wrong area and then tries to use a different path and gets confused. She got lost in the Hawaiian woods for 17 days. And when she was found by her search and rescue party, she was clinging to life, uh, malnourished, dehydrated. She had broken her ankles, falling off a cliff uh, and lucky to survive that. And what I think is so interesting is her path is il uh, illustrates the path of entrepreneurs is we go down one path and then we change another path and we start walking in this circuitous pattern for, for an endless period of time. They found her only less than a mile away from her car, but just walking and, and ultimately crawling and then dying in a circle pattern. What we need to do as entrepreneurs is be very deliberate about the action we take and it needs to be very specific. We trust our gut instinct. We see a path like that's the way to go. You know, Amanda Eller actually walked on a boar's path. That's that animal. It's like half feral dog, half like mini rhino, like that vicious little thing. And she's like, that's the way out. And she kept on trusting intuition. Intuition is a horrible guide, particularly in our business. 
in, in some survival mechanisms, like Amanda Eller's intuition kept her alive for 17 days, but it wasn't good enough to navigate her way out. She needed a tool, a compass. Our business, we are not neurologically wired into our business. It, we, we, our intuition is not a good beacon for navigating the path. What we need is, is a tool, a compass to, to navigate the way out. And, and that's what I structured and fixed this next, a, a very specific compass that works very easily to pinpoint what you need to do next, the, the, the path out and the path forward. Mm, that sounds delightful to have a compass to guide you in your business. So tell us a little bit about this compass, this guide, fix this next, and how small business owners are using it to figure out and pinpoint their problems. So what I did was I, I studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a system that Maslow developed specifically for the human needs structure. And what his core argument was that there are certain base needs all of humanity has. And until that's satisfied, nothing else matters in this hierarchy. And the base level needs are what's called physiological needs. So we all need to breathe air. Uh, we need to drink water. We need to consume food. Once those are satisfied, then the next level of needs are like shelter, protection from the elements. Uh, you live in Montana. I, uh, Montana is amazing in the summer. In the winter, I heard the snow there is redonkulous. And if one of those Montana snowstorms are coming in and you're outside in a t-shirt, we need to seek shelter. We, we don't need to breathe more air. So there's a prioritization structure. But if you're out there and someone puts a plastic bag over your head and wraps duct tape around your neck, then the priority actually is gasping for air because that's more important for human survival than shelter. So there's a prioritization. In Maslow's hierarchy, it's a five-level hierarchy. The highest level is called self-actualization, which is living on one's life's purpose. Well, I translated this into a business hierarchy of needs, but there is one significant difference. The business hierarchy, um, you know, the business is equivalent of breathing air is sales. That's the creation of cash for an organization. If you have no cash coming into the organization, you have no oxygen and the business is suffocating and it'll die quickly. But once we have a stable degree or some predictable source of oxygen, we don't want to breathe more. We actually then want to move to the next level, which is the creation of stability. That's profit. It's the shelter for an organization. It's the protection for an organization. And the, the key distinction between Maslow's hierarchy and the business hierarchy is that in Maslow's hierarchy, we are neurologically or biologically wired into our business. Our neural network triggers off if we're in danger. You know, if you're walking down a dark alley and you get frightened, definitely turn around and get out of there because you might get murdered. Like our, our senses are triggering that. But our business, we are not biologically wired into our business, but we think we are, many business owners. We, we act like we are. So when there's an issue going on, we're like, you know what, we, we need to sell our way out of this. Or I, my gut says we need to cut prices. But those are, those are instinctual calls. And maybe it's a beacon for investigation, but they're absolutely not factual. We need empirical data. We need to know the facts behind this because we're not wired into our business. So this business hierarchy of needs is we have to create substantial or adequate sales. Once that's achieved, we need adequate profit. Once we have that, that's enough to shore up order, which means organizational efficiency, where the business doesn't have dependency on the owner or any key people. It can run on automatic, so to speak. Once that's achieved, we can focus on impact, which is the act of transformation. Instead of being transactional with our clients, we are transformational for clients, providing a benefit beyond the commodity of the service or product itself. And then the highest level is legacy. Legacy is the creation of permanence. This is where we have the ultimate realization that we were never actually owners in the business. We may have called ourselves business owners, but we're not. We're stewards of the business. That we simply have given life to this and been a part of the experience, but the business has always been intended to live on in perpetuity. It's its own entity. 
And the, the, the lesson with this compass is you got to go to the base and say, is it strong enough to support the level above it? If not, the base level below it is the issue. And we have to shore it up. But once it's adequately serviced, you don't keep on building the base. Like, like building a building, you don't keep on making the foundation bigger and bigger. And you have this foundation for a skyscraper and you put a little tool shed over it because that tool shed will collapse within it. It works in a relative manner. The, the sales must be adequate for profit and profit must be adequate for order and so forth. And then once we get, as we climb up this, if we want to build higher with higher impact or higher legacy, we go back to the base and build the base out more so it can build a bigger structure above it. And if there's ever fractures at the base, like, you know, things are humming along and, and we're having great impact and all of a sudden our, our uh, competitor introduces a product at half the price and we're feeling a squeeze in our margins, we got to go back down to the profit level and address margins or maybe reposition our offering or do something different. So over time, you don't climb a ladder to the top, you cycle through different levels as the business needs it, but always one level, one component within that level at a time. Mm, I love this in its simplicity. So it's sales, then profit, then order, then impact, then legacy. That's exactly right. So what are a lot of business owners putting out of order in that pyramid? Yeah, the most common instinctual response is we need more sales. People think we can sell our way out of it. There's a famous person who says sales cures everything. And that's bullshit. <laughs> uh, sales does not cure everything. Sales puts a burden on an organization. Because if you think what sales is, sales is more responsibility on your business, which means more stress in a small business, particularly, it means small, more stress on the business owner, right? I sell more. The more I sell, I, I have an obligation now to deliver on those promises, products, or services. And if I'm a small business owner, some or all of that weight now is on my shoulders. So sales is not the solution. Uh, alone. It's the relation between all the organizational components. So I see business owners saying, we got, you know, we're not profitable. We need to sell our way out of it. No, if you're not profitable, you got to figure out the profit level, what's going on there, and then ensure the sales are substantiate that. But you got to figure out why you're not profitable. Do we have too much cost? We're not managing margins right? Are we trying to leverage debt, but we're not actually leveraging debt? We're just accumulating debt? Like, what are those components going on? Efficiency. You know, business owners need to focus on efficiency, but God, they're like, oh, I hate systems. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to sell more. Sell selling more, putting more stress on an organization that's inefficient only exacerbates the inefficiencies. So the most common thing is this default behavior of we're gonna sell our way out of it. When that is rarely the circumstance. It's more often something else. Or maybe it's a component of sales, but it's not just increasing the volume, it's increasing the quality of the customer. Or uh, increasing the, the the understanding of how the business relates back to the owner themselves. One of the most basic fundamental things is called lifestyle congruence is ensuring that the goals and objectives of the founders or shareholders of the business is being served through sales of the organization, which is often ignored. People just say, you know, arbitrary goals. Ah, we should have a million dollar business, sell more. We need 2 million. And they don't consider how it relates back to the original intent of the business. So that's the default. And, and, in, and in many cases, it's the mistake. Sometimes it's right, but in many cases, selling is not the solution. So they need to be looking for the other cracks in the system rather than just defaulting to sales. Right. So we do a thorough analysis and we go through element after element and see what the issue is. Now, for many small businesses, it's usually one of the first three layers. The first three layers of the business hierarchy of needs is what I call the get stage. We need to get sales into the organization. If you have none, by the way, then it is your priority. You, you need to have some creation of oxygen. And if you're, you can't sustain your profitability uh, and efficiencies that you've built, um, sometimes you need to revert back to sales and increase sales. So I'm not saying ignore it. 
I'm just saying that's the default protocol. Well, the first three levels are getting. So we need to get sales into the organization. We need to get more profit and we need to get efficiency established. Once you do that, then these businesses can move to the next stage if they so desire, which is of impact and legacy. That's the giving phase, the contribution. My mother said to me as she raised me, she goes, Mike, you must always give to get. And I hate to say this, but my mom's a bullshitter. You actually need to get in order to give. I see businesses go into business with this great vision. Not-for-profits are notorious for this. We want to change the world. We want to have a tremendous impact. They go in with such, such an important mission. And they ignore the foundation. They say, yeah, people, if you build it, they will come. I don't have to worry about sales, which in their case is contributions. I don't need to worry about profit, which is the stability of the hierarchy, the organization. Really not, they wouldn't call it profit, but more about the purpose. You know, they, they ignore the, the efficiencies. They say, I'm just going to do it because people need this. And those businesses collapse upon themselves. These great missions, these great ideas run out of air like a balloon that's, uh, that you untied. It just zips away and it's gone. And sadly, many for-profit businesses, Geraldine, are not for profits because they focus on the top levels without caring for the base. So we must always address the base, shore it up, go to the level higher, shore it up, go higher. And whenever we want to expand at higher levels, we got to ensure that the base is strong enough for it. And if it's not, we revert back to the base and build our way up. I love that. And having co-founded a nonprofit and grown it to more than a million dollars in operating revenue, I can certainly speak to the mentality of running a nonprofit is has its cracks in it, right? And I would have we would have benefited had we known about the about doing wish list interviews, which is of course in the pumpkin plan, and listening to what your market wants and solving uh, solving their problems. There's where I want to go here is what you mentioned about for profit entities that sort of collapse under their own weight because they really want to give, and they want to serve. And I hear this across multiple industries, of course. A lot of my clients are accountants and CPAs who genuinely want to give. They care. They want to give back. They really want to help their small business owners. Yeah. I also hear it in the helping professions of I just want to give and they discount their services. They are chronically underpaid and so on. But the justification for lack of profitability is this, I just want to give. Yeah. How do we address the mental piece inside of the sort of pyramid, if you will, of fix this next of, I just want to give? Yeah. So understanding that you can't give if you're, if you're sacrificing yourself, right? If you constantly compromise yourself, the ability to give becomes compromised. The more stability you have, the more you can contribute. And that classic analogy, as much as it's overused and abused, it's the reality. You know, that plane's coming down. You better put your oxygen mask on first so you are conscious to serve other people. The mistake is to put the oxygen mask on one other person and you pass out and now you're done. So we have to serve our business first. The businesses that want to give without caring for themselves are the weakest contributors. They can do it only on such a small scale. And that's, I think that's the ultimate sin. If we want to be true contributors, we have to do it in a way that can, it can go in, into infinity, that it can be perpetuated. I think businesses should give. I think this is the ultimate platform. I, I want to give more than anything. This is my passion. But I know the only way I can contribute to my community, small business owners, through education, is if I have sustainable profitability. If, if I have no profit, I got to make some money somehow. I, I got to work at the local business doing whatever. And now I'm, le- I'm doing less interviews. I'm, I'm, I'm writing less books. And I start depleting my ability to contribute. So you have to take care of yourself. That is not a selfish act. The selfish act, I think it's actually the reverse of giving without consideration for yourself. It's selfish because you aren't going to serve as many people as you should, as you're called for. 
So we have to care for ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. So once people have identified their core need or their vital need that they need to focus on next, what do you think prevents them from actually focusing on that piece? Well, I mean, ignorance is the most common reason. Uh, it's because we just don't even know it exists. But once you identify it, 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 maybe it's too hard of a path. I mean, the, the interesting thing, so we have now hundreds and hundreds of businesses that are doing it. You know, I, I started the book five years ago. It's a long process. We've tested it internally and I start guinea-pigging guinea on other companies. And now that the book is just going to circulation, um, we're starting to get the stories coming in. Here's a good story. I actually put in the book, there's a, there's a coffee company called Cottonwood Coffee, a guy, Jacob Limmer, is his name, Jacob Limmer, and he he's the owner of it. He's been in business for 13 years. They're going through unique challenges now because of COVID. But before this, the crisis broke out, um, he's like, I've been in business for 13 years. He ran this analysis, and he actually had a sales level issue. He had the most fundamental issue, which was lifestyle congruence. He had no idea how the business correlated to his personal lifestyle. So everything was arbitrary. Uh, you know, he'll take home whatever the, the business has to offer. Well, he calculated the number. Uh, well, I'm sorry. He didn't calculate number. He's like, he said to me, he goes, I'm past this. He goes, I've been in business for 13 years. I'm on to legacy. I'm on to impact. I don't have time to waste on this basic stuff. I said, okay, run the exam again. See what happens. He's like, it's pointing to lifestyle congruence. I said, okay, then maybe you should do it. He's like, nope. And the week later he comes back. He's like, I ran it again. He's like, every time I ran this analysis, it pointed back to the exact same problem. So frustratedly, he said, you know what? Okay. I guess I got to get the basics done. And he figured out lifestyle congruence. He realized he was building a business um, that wasn't necessary. He was structuring faster growth because he just assumed that's what he needed to do when he wasn't focused on healthy growth because he realized he didn't actually didn't need as much as he thought he needed at home. Once he put the business in correlation with his lifestyle, he realized he can build the business more slowly and be more deliberate in it. And the business actually started to grow stronger and healthier, actually ended up growing faster. Interestingly, when you slow down, you go faster in many cases and it positioned him for rapid growth. So I often, that's one common form of resistance to saying, I'm not at that level. I'm beyond that. Well, there is no such thing as beyond. This is, a, this is something we cycle through. The, the biggest companies in the world, GE and stuff, they live by the business hierarchy of needs. They have sales challenges. They just have a lot more zeros involved in their problems, but it's the exact same problem. I love this. Slow down for success. So this book and the diagnostic inside it sounds like a really powerful series of tools for business owners to identify where they are and really work on the most important thing to work on in their business to set them up for the success they're looking for. Where can people who are interested in this book find it and where can they find out more about you and your work? Oh, well, thank you for asking. So yeah, the book's a starting point. Um, to, to learning this. And I also encourage people to use Fix This Next Advisors, people certified in this, because when you diagnose yourself, um, it's hard to be objective. If you've ever had like a cough or a skin rash or something like that, uh, and we go through the MD online, right? And it comes up like, oh, you've got, you know, this ailment. It's like, oh my God. You go to a doctor, you find out something totally different. Well, the doctor has been through this process so many times and, and has an outside vantage point. It's very helpful. So the starting point to find that doctor, if you will, and you're one of them, by the way, mm -hmm. is uh, you can go to fixthisnext.com. So once you read the book, or even before you read the book, you can go to fixthisnext.com and there is uh, details on the book, the process. There's also a free evaluation there. And you can do it in about five minutes and pinpoint what you need to start working on next. And you can do that immediately. So that, that's where I go for more resources. I'd work with you, Geraldine. And uh, if you're, you're not 
in the area of someone listening in or they want to consider someone in a different capacity, uh, fixthisnext.com has a directory of, of other folks too. Excellent. This has been so valuable, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. This has been a joy. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming on the podcast. Mike is so brilliant at taking the challenges of running a business and turning them into simple tools we can use to grow. If you want to take the Fix This Next assessment, head on over to shethinksbig.fixthisnext.com. That's right. It's a subdomain. We'll put it in the show notes where you can go through the 25 question assessment that will help you isolate your most important problem to fix next. If you want a quick review of your results, put 15 minutes on my calendar at shethinksbigcoaching.com. You'll walk away with a clear understanding of what to fix next and what can wait so you can start working on the right thing in the right way at the right time so you can get out of the swirl and get yourself on a linear path to growth. All right, that's it for me. Have a great week and I'll see you next time. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.